at the Great Crossroads Church, where I have served for seven and a half years now, every Sunday morning as we read the scripture text, I invite the congregation to stand and honor the word of God as I read. And then after I've read the text, I always hold my Bible high and I say, this is the word of the Lord. And the people respond, thanks be to God. I want you to make me feel like I'm at home today. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. Well, stand now, please, for the reading of the Word of God. But I want you to practice this part of the liturgy. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yes, and we will say it heartily and with enthusiasm because we are grateful to have access to the Word of God, aren't we? I've been in parts of the world where missionaries are working furiously to get the Word of God to every person in every language group that doesn't have a Bible in their heart language. And we have the Bible on CDs, on DVDs, we have podcasts, we have all kinds of uh, audible opportunities to hear the Word of God. We have print versions, we have several versions in our libraries. We have access to the Word of the Lord. So when we say, this is the Word of the Lord, thanks be to God, we, we get to read it. How many of you are glad to be literate? Yeah. To be able to read it, amen. Hear the word of the Lord, 1 John chapter 3, the first three verses of that chapter from the New King James Version of the Scriptures. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Papa, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are our Father who dwells in the heavens. Speak, Lord, we pray. Really, our problem is not that you won't speak. Our problem is, our greater concern is that we might not hear you. That you will speak and we will be dull is our great concern. So, Lord, as you speak, grant that we may hear and, like the Bereans of old, might receive your word with all readiness and look at it daily to see whether these things are so. Thank you for this glorious privilege of hearing your truth proclaimed, watching it being lived out by saints whom we know and saints who have preceded us in death. Now, O oh Lord, be thou glorified in the proclamation and the reception of your word. We pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And God's women and men said, Amen. Amen. Bruce Caron has a book titled Telling It Again and Again. 
and he writes about the benefit of repetition. And in his book, he says that repetition can have a timeless quality and can place us in, here's the phrase, in the eternal now of the present moment. Repetition can place us in the eternal now of the present moment. John, the devoted follower of Jesus, celebrates what I want to suggest is the eternal now of the present moment with these first century believers. I feel like I know John. I've been studying him for quite a while, and especially the last few months, I've been leading a Bible study for a church in California uh, every Wednesday night uh, via Zoom, and we've been walking through the epistle of 1 John. Listen to this celebration of the eternal now, of the present moment. Verse 2, now we are children of God. Wow, what a statement of hope. What, a, what an encouragement to those who are overwhelmed by the shortcomings of life. Uh, what, a, what a wonderful word to those who don't think they're doing faith correctly. I, I know I'm not all I should be, but I, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to be a man of God. I'm trying to be a woman of God. What a wonderful word to those who don't think they'll ever measure up to the calling God has placed on their lives. And John says, oh, you don't have to wait to revel in that status. Now we are children of God. You, you mean now, John now? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a person of God. Yeah, but, but right now you're, you're a child of God. Goes back to John's gospel. This same John would write to believers and he will account for and give a recount of the life and the witness of Jesus on the earth. In his prologue to the gospel, he talks about Jesus. And he says of Jesus, he went to his own people. He went to his homies. He went to the people of the same ethnic group. And they dissed him. They rejected him. Then John writes in chapter 1, verse 12 of his gospel, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to call themselves, here it is, the children of God. You, you mean now? Now? Yeah, right now. In the, in the present moment, you can enjoy this this status. Listen to John's words in 1 John chapter 3, our text for today. Now you are the children of God. Now, now. Some versions add the emphatic, and that is what we are. Beloved, now you are children of God, and that is what we are. Some versions have that in the first clause of verse 1. Three times in two verses, this truth is declared. We should be called God's children. That is what we are. Now we are children of God. In just verses 1 and 2, he, he overwhelms them with this idea that they are his. When I was born, I, my mother doesn't recall how long I was this, but I was originally named Bradley Warren Farmer. Bradley Warren Farmer. 
And I asked mother, when did you guys change my name? And she doesn't remember how long I was Bradley Warren before I became Richard Allen. My mother's still living. She's one of the, uh, one of the finest people I know. I greatly admire her. I love her. We have a date on the phone every night at 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock, people know not to call me because I'm talking to my mother every night, 10 o'clock. We have a date on the phone. She turned 91 last Saturday. I flew to New York City just to date her. I flew to New York City, and we spent all day Friday together, and then her birthday was Saturday. We had a wonderful time. Sometimes when we talk on the phone, she'll say, well, Bradley Warren, how are you? And I will say, buying into the joke, my name is not Bradley Warren. It is Richard Allen. And she will say, boy, your name is whatever I call you. <laughs> and she's right. She's right. I'm her child. And she can call me whatever she wants. Listen to this. You are called the children of God. And your name is whatever your daddy calls you. And he called you his own. He called you his children. Listen to this text. Now, we are children of God, and, and that is what we are. And the world doesn't get this, but you get it. You are God's children. This, this love of God, which makes us his own children, is so different, in fact. John says, I, I don't want you to think I'm making this up. I, I want you to see it in the text. Would you come with me? Beloved, now we are children of God, verse 2 of our text. And it hasn't even been revealed what we shall be. But, but right now, we are the children of God. And in fact, verse 1 has in the Greek, this is not in the English, in the Greek word, in the Greek language, there is a, a word here which is sometimes translated of what country? Of what kind? Listen to this. Behold, what, what manner of love is this that the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called as children? From what country does this kind of love come? Of what kind is this outrageous love? New Testament scholar Alfred Plummer uh, comments on this, and he says that the Greek word patapos uh, always implies astonishment. I, I can't believe it. We are God's children. Where, where did this come from? What outrageous love this is. Of what country is this love? That, that's the idea. Same word is used, Mark's gospel Chapter 13, then as he went out of the temple, one of the disciples says to him, Teacher, what manner of stones and what buildings are here? Of what country, what outrageous stuff is this? Father's love is so unique, it's almost as if it's from a different country, from a different planet. It's a transforming love. It has a specific source. It is a love from the Father. Did you get it? Did you see it? It's not just generic love. It's the Father's love. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on you. I'm a very demonstrative person. If I love you, you will know it. 
I'm a, before COVID, uh, I was a, an outrageous, notable, world-class, card-carrying member of the Huggers Club. I mean, I give good hugs. I'm sorry I won't get to hug most of you today. I want to respect distancing and all that, but I'm a world-class hugger, and I'm a great kisser. <laughs> I kiss men and women. If I love you, you know it. When I bestow my love on you, you know it. My son is 28 years old, 6'4", a beefy guy, played football in high school. Every time I see my son, and I mean every time, every, I'll turn it into a three-syllable word, I don't care. Every time I see my son, I kiss him. Sometimes I kiss him on the lips. I'm really into love. If I love you, you know it. First time I saw my mother during the pandemic, I flew to New York City to see her, and I was very, very cautious because she, because she was 90, and I just wanted to make sure I didn't violate anything, so I had my mask on, and uh, when she opened the door, she had her mask on, and then I said, how are you, mother? And I... I bent her, I was going to kiss her on the head or something. She said, oh, no. She ripped the mask off and we kissed right on the lips. It was great. Let me tell you something. And this is a, a little bit of a, an abstract concept, but, but allow it. God wants to kiss you on the lips. He really wants to bestow his love on you. Those who are who only know God as some distant deity. Yeah, there's, a, there's somebody up there that really likes me, or the man upstairs really did something for me. I'm, I'm very lucky. Yeah, that, that's nonsensical talk. That's not the language of love. In love, you name the person you love. You don't say, there's a guy who loves me. You, you name him. Tom loves me. Mike loves me. The father loves you. And you can name his name without shame. I tell people, there is no man upstairs unless you live in an apartment building and someone's on the floor above you. That's the only man upstairs. Stop that nonsense. The father, the creator of heaven and earth, who sent his son in your behalf, has loved you and has lavished his love upon you, bestowed his love on you. It has a specific source. This love is from the father. But it also has a specific effect. This love transforms the person who comes to know it. The, the love of the eternal towards us is so great that it changes our status. Did you see it in the text? Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should have our status changed, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. We, we are now something else, someone else. And those of us who celebrate this persistent God-given present, now we are the children of God, also have a future. Did you see it in the text? John not only talks about this wonderful eternal now, John talks about what shall happen later on 
John suggests that we, we live out this love of the Father suspended between two tenses. That we are now the children of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. And there John pushes the edges of a future yet unknown. John says we, we are now celebrating what we are and there's more to come. I'm a product of the Trinity Baptist Church in the Bronx, New York, 808 East 224th Street in the Bronx, New York, 10466 is the zip code. I was in that church from age about seven until that church ordained me when I was 30 and sent me out to pastor a church. I wish you could have been at the Trinity Baptist Church when I was growing up. African Americans in the Northeast Bronx who believed that God called them to be a witness there for him. Founded in 1899. Never had a church split. There's no second Trinity Baptist Church a few blocks down the road, greater Trinity Baptist. There's Trinity Baptist Church in the Bronx, New York. I wish you could have heard them sing. They used to sing a song. I've never heard it anywhere else but at my home church. Perhaps it is sung in other places. But they used to sing a song based on this text in 1 John chapter 3. I'm going to sing a bit of it for you now. But in, in our old building, we built a new building, but in the old building, the sanctuary was a, a flight up the stairs. You came into a small uh, fellowship hall, and then you went up a flight of stairs to the sanctuary. And if you got there a few minutes after service started, you could hear people tapping their feet, patting their feet on the floor above you. They used to sing on this text. I can still hear them sing. Oh, I can still hear them. They would sing. Beloved, beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know when he shall appear. Listen to this. Listen to this affirmation. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, the present. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, the future. Now we are the children of God, that which is known. Doth not yet appear what we shall be, that which is not yet known. Same God at work, suspending us between two tenses. 
daring us to take on the present love of God bestowed on us, lavished on us from the Father, and daring us with eyes of faith to see what we shall be. <laughs> Sometimes I can hardly wait. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of, of his saving grace, and we wrestle with a a great temptation to favor one of those tenses, but you don't have to make such a decision. You can do both. You can live in the now and rejoice in the painted future that God has for us. Some live in the present tense only, making a living, celebrating who they are, providing food, clothing, and shelter for a family, and it takes so much out of us. And if you only live in the present, you're missing out because part of the joy of living is looking forward to what God has for you. You remember Jesus' rhetorical question in the Sermon on the Mount? In a section of his teaching where he talks about anxiety, Matthew 6, 25, Jesus asks this question, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Is that, all? Is that all you're thinking about? Just food, clothing, and shelter? Oh, my. You almost hear Jesus saying, I feel sorry for you. You're so consumed with the present. When one is consumed with the present, one is concentrating on just, just doing life, just hammering it out, just providing food, clothing, and shelter. And, and while that's admirable, it's also very limiting, isn't it? But you can also err on the other side and live only in the future. Ah, when we get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Yes, wonderful. What are you doing about now? How are you making a difference now? Hear the promises of God. God is inviting us not only to a faith-filled present. Now we are the children of God. But he's inviting us to a God-filled future, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. Recall with me the institution of the Lord's Supper. Well, this is my blood of the new covenant, Jesus said, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of this vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Did you hear it? celebration of the present. This is my blood of the new covenant. This is for you now. And I shall not drink it with you again until I drink it with you anew in my father's kingdom. And there he gives the disciples a little teaser of the more that is to come. Beloved, now we are the children of God. And there's more to come. What? What language of the future? I'm trying to make sure that in addition to speaking the language of the present, I speak the language of the future. You know some people who are terminally ill. You have to figure out ways to talk to them, love them, walk through this with them as they struggle with cancer perhaps. You don't want to just talk about what's happening now because what's happening now is not always pleasant. What's happening now is radiation and chemotherapy and bone marrow transplants. 
you want to you want to remind them that there's more to come. Paul does it to the church at Corinth in his second letter. You remember it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning around verse 16, concluding with verse 18, where he says, we don't lose heart. We, we know that the human body is decaying. We know that the outward person is perishing, but the inward person is being renewed day by day. We don't look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. <laughs> there is Paul saying, I want to remind you there's more to come. and Don't get stuck in the now. There's glory to come. <laughs> I want to say that to every terminally ill person. I want to say that to every person struggling, wondering if these knucklehead children are ever going to straighten out. And you, you think... This is, this, is this what it is? This is parenting? Oh, shoot me now. <laughs> but there's more to come. It gets better. We don't want to live in the now only, and we don't want to live in the future only. The ideal, of, ideal life of faith would celebrate two tenses. The late Gardner Taylor one of the best preachers in the English-speaking language, the English language. I went home to be with the Lord on April 5th, 2015. He was my friend. He was 96 years old when he died. He'd been preaching for more than 70 years, and man, what a preacher. I heard him preach this text one time, and in his colorful, imaginative preaching, he said, uh, he read the text, and then he said, we shall be like him. Then he paused. He said, we shall be like him, he said. We shall be like him, he said. One day we shall stand with Jesus, he said. And we'll look so much like him that the angels shall nudge each other and say, which one? Your future contains this hope and this promise that you'll not only simply be Christian, that you'll not only leave the world loving Jesus, but when we shall see him, we shall take on all that that we have longed to be and we, we will be like him. We've been striving to be like him as we've worked it out down here God and the Taylor reminded us we'll, we'll look so much like him, we'll confuse the angels. Listen to this. Now, we are the children of God. Oh, right now. And it doth not yet appear, says the King James Version, what we shall be. Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This, this looking at the future. New Testament scholar I. Howard Marshall, who has a delicious commentary on uh, the epistles of John, comments on 1 John 3.3, and I. Howard Marshall says, all this is a solid base, solid basis for Christian confidence and joy. 
And it is one of John's aims to strengthen this aspect of his reader's faith. Living in a hostile world and perhaps with their confidence shaken by the secession of a sizable number of their fellow church members who proclaimed that they possessed the truth, they needed to be encouraged. End of quote. Yeah. What an encouragement this is. Beloved, right now, we're God's children, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. We shall eventually be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I, I got to wrap this up. Let me, let me tell you a story I heard by the late Fred Craddock. He's a teacher of preaching at Emory University and a couple of other places. Died in 2015. He told the story of going back to his native Gatlinburg, Tennessee to take a short vacation with his wife. And one night, Craddock says, they were in a quiet little restaurant where they looked forward to a private meal, just the two of them. While they were waiting for their meal, they met a distinguished gentleman, white-haired gentleman who was working the room. He was moving from table to table in the restaurant, visiting guests, and they thought, oh, man, I just, I just want to be left alone. And Craddock actually whispered to his wife, I hope he doesn't come over here. But he came. Craddock said he didn't want the man to intrude on them, but here he came. Where are you folks from, he asked amicably. Oklahoma, Craddock says. Splendid state. I hear, never been there. What do you do for a living? Craddock says, I teach homiletics at the graduate seminary at Phillips University. Oh, so you teach preachers, do you? I got a story I want to tell you. Craddock thought, oh, no. The guy pulls up a chair <laughs> and sits with Fred Craddock and his wife. Craddock groans inwardly. Oh, here we go. Here comes another preacher story. It seems everyone has one. They think, I want to use it. I need it. Man stuck out his hand. I'm Ben Hooper. I was born not far from here across the mountains. My mother wasn't married when I was born, so I had a hard time. When I started school, my classmates had a name for me, and it wasn't a very nice name. I used to go off by myself at recess and during lunchtime because... The taunts of my playmates hurt me and cut me deeply. What was worse was going downtown on Sunday afternoon, Saturday afternoon, feeling every burning eye looking at me as if they were burning a hole in my soul. They were all wondering, who is his real father? When I was 12 years old, the visitor continued to Fred Craddock. A new preacher came to our church. And I'd always go in late and slip out early. But one day the preacher gave the benediction so fast I got caught. And I had to walk out with the crowd. And I could feel every eye in church on me. Just about the time I got to the door, I felt a big hand on my shoulder. And I looked up and the preacher was looking at me. Who are you, son? Whose boy are you? The stranger said I felt the old weight come on me like a big black cloud. Even the preacher was putting me down and wondering who my daddy was. But then he looked at me and studying my face, 
he began to smile, a big smile of recognition. And he said, wait a minute, I know who you are. I see the family resemblance. You are a son of God. And with that, he slapped me across the rump and said, boy, you've got a great inheritance. Now go and claim it. And the stranger said to Fred Craddock, from that point on, when anybody asked me, who's your daddy? I would respond, I'm a child of God. The old man looked at Fred Craddock and he said, that was the single most important sentence ever said to me. And with that, he smiled, shook Fred Craddock's hand and left. When the waitress came, Fred Craddock said, who is that guy? The waitress said, everybody knows him. He's Ben Hooper, former governor of Tennessee. Hey, you. I came all the way from Stone Mountain, Georgia, to ask you a question. Who's your daddy? To whom do you look? And whose love has been lavished on you? Who has kissed you on the lips recently? Who has loved you with an outrageous love? So outrageous as, as if it's from another country. Who's your daddy? Let us pray. Holy One, we are reminded of your outrageous love for us. Thank you, O oh God, for sending your son, Jesus the Christ, so that we could have a relationship with you, so that we could celebrate being your children, not your fans, not your admirers, not people who describe you in some distant cliches, but so that we could be your children. Thank you for being our daddy. We would pray now for those who do not know you, for those who might be religious, but who have not received your love. we would now name in our hearts people we know by name. We would lift them before you who need to know you personally. Thank you for bestowing your love on us in the sacrificial life and death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus the Christ. May our hearts be open to him that we might be in the same family with him and see you as our father. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. For more than 30 years, I have 
given the benediction with eyes open. In the early church, the benediction was the preacher's way of saying goodbye. It did not function historically as a closing prayer. It functioned as a closing blessing upon the people of God. In the early church, there's evidence that the pastor always gave the benediction with his eyes open and with his hands raised, wishing he could bless each person, and knowing he couldn't, he would just bless them all symbolically by doing this. The word benediction comes from two Latin words, bene dictus. Bene, we get the word benefit from it, it means good. Dictus means that which is said. We get the word diction or dictation from it. The benediction is literally the pronouncing of good sayings, bene dictus, upon the people of God. Would you please look up at me and receive the benediction? And now, beloved, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his radiant, effulgent face to shine upon you. The Lord strengthen you where you're weak and build you up where you are crumbling. May you find yourselves all week long celebrating. Now, I am a child of God. The Lord keep you, for you surely cannot keep yourself. Now, beloved, what you know not, may he teach you. Beloved, what you have not, may he give you. And what you are not, may he make you. All for God's glory and never our own. Amen. Let's leave joyfully and look forward.